This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Tuesday the 8th of June 2021 and an important milestone in Coronacast in that all three of us are together in the studio. Will Ockenden, our producer, you and me. That's right. It's pretty exciting to be here, all three of us together, uh, appropriately socially, socially distanced, of course. The first time in 314 episodes. You're just making me remember how old I am or at least how old I feel. Mm. Normally. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about the issue that's on... On everyone's mind in Australia at the moment, the outbreak in, in Victoria, in Melbourne, we heard yesterday that there, were, that there were 11 new cases, which seemed like a big number compared to the, the sort of one hand single, single digits that we'd been hearing about over the weekend, but they're all linked. So that's a good thing, right? Yeah. And uh, a few are in isolation, which is the, the position you want to be in. You want to re- It's not easy on the people who are put into isolation, but that's the position you want to be in where you go positive when you're at home in quarantine. And that's where we want to be. And they're slowly getting there, although this is quite a diverse, you know, there are little clusters all over the place, Port Melbourne, West Melbourne, which is the Delta one, Whittlesea and so on. And I think it's amounting to 94, I think, yesterday. It'll be more by the time people switch on Coronacast at 4am when it lands in their box. So there's a lot going on and there is complexity. So you've got the Delta spread, which is a different virus, and it's still not clear where people have got that from. We may never find out, and that's often the way here. Does it get to the point where it doesn't actually matter, though? Like, we, we want to know where it's come in because we want to know if we could seal that chink off. But in a way, if it doesn't spread further, does it matter? Probably not. Um, it didn't seem to matter a month or so ago when you had this Delta virus in which had spread in New South Wales and the worst-case scenario did not emerge probably because 80% of people don't pass it on to very many. In fact, 90% of people don't really pass it on to very many. And in this situation, it has spread, but we don't seem to be getting intermediary spread. And just to be clear, the viruses are not linked. So this is not the same virus that escaped from hotel quarantine in New South Wales several weeks ago. This is a different virus, different genetically, but it's the same strain. It's the 617.2. There comes a time where you just have to say, we don't know. And there doesn't seem to be anything else popping up. And you just got to keep looking for it. And people in New South Wales have got to get tested and tested hard. It's not showing up in the wastewater. So that's good news. And I think we're getting to the point where, I mean, we're discussing this almost every day, but what's going to happen on Thursday, you could get a relaxation of lockdown, at least to a significant extent, with what looks like a reasonable number of cases. If you've had several days, not of donuts, not of zero days, but several days, two or three days where... You know where they all are, mostly in in isolation, and there have been no surprises. The Delta outbreak was a surprise, an unpleasant surprise. The one we need to keep an eye on is aged care. So now you've got an agency nurse who's almost certainly been infected by a resident. How do you know that? I think it's the most likely scenario from what I hear, because if they're saying they're linked in a time frame, I think the resident was infected first, and this agency nurse was looking after this particular resident, is what I understand. But then another worker has been infected. So you could have worker-to-worker spread. And you've had a few days where the agency nurse has been out there and you're not quite sure where she might have been, so other, other areas. So there could be ongoing transmission. So I think until they've actually pinned that one down. So the good thing there is upstream, 
in other words, where does it come from? They kind of know that with the age, they kind of know that with the age care one, at least with the first introduction. I'm sure, I'm not sure they've absolutely nailed where the first age care worker got it from, who brought it into Maidstone. And now you've got a problem just in contemporaneous spread with the uh, agency nurse. So I think until they've tied that one down, there'll be a degree of discomfort. It is hard with lockdown and every day at the press conferences, they're asked a million times by journalists when the lockdown is going to end. And of course, no one can say that at this stage. But the lockdowns have been a contentious subject throughout, I mean, throughout last year as well. There's huge costs, like money costs involved with locking people down. There's also um, health costs and other social isolation things associated with it. But there has been some research that's come out that's given us a bit more of a comparison between the cost of a lockdown and the cost of not locking down when there's an outbreak. Yes. And Coronacast got slammed last March because we took up this mantra of go hard, go early, which was actually not our mantra, it was the WHO's mantra that you go hard, go early with SARS, which is what South Korea did, it's what Taiwan did, Singapore did, and Hong Kong did. And uh, we weren't going hard, we had the Grand Prix running, we had the football, we had basketball, we had all sorts of things going on. And when you looked at where we were, we could have been two or three weeks behind where Italy was when you looked at the cases, and that was incredibly controversial. Anyway, this is a health economics paper which looks at what the scenarios would have been, which was what we did. We went hard, we went early. What would happen if you waited three weeks? And what would happen if you waited four weeks? And what they found was that if you waited three weeks, we would have had 9,000 deaths in Australia, 241,000 cases. If we'd waited 28 days, the fatalities would have been possibly 35,000, anywhere between 20,000 and 60,000 deaths. Doesn't bear thinking about, does it? But they also put a dollar figure on it. Yeah, and essentially the dollar figure, many multiples is what they, they argue, of what it cost us to go to lockdown in terms of what we saved. So that was then. Does the same theory still hold out now 18 months into a pandemic? We obviously had more cases than at the beginning. The answer is you don't get any prizes for failing at this one. So if this highly contagious virus gets out there and starts spreading like it is in Taiwan, like it is in Vietnam, then you are running that risk. And going for a couple of weeks is much easier than going for two or three months and trying to get it under control when it's already slipping away from you. I mean, the other weapon that we have in our armoury this year is vaccination. And we've got a lot of people got lining up to get their um, vaccinations, especially in Victoria. But there's been a couple, there's been a theme over the last week or so that people who are eligible for the Pfizer vaccine is obviously in short supply. And this balance of trying to get as many people vaccinated as possible, but wanting to, uh, you know, people are meant to come back three weeks later to get their second dose. We've got a bunch of different people writing into Coronacast, Lachlan, Case, Erin and Phoebe, basically all saying they've had their first Pfizer vaccine and they're not able to book in for their second one in three weeks' time. A, what's going on? Is the system broken? And B, how much of a risk is it to them personally if they don't get to get their second shot until a few more weeks down the track? Well, what I understand is that Victoria is basically putting their available vaccine into people's arms. But the anxiety is, will they have enough for the second dose? So yesterday at the press conference, the Minister for Health, Martin Foley, said that the Commonwealth had guaranteed the second doses. So I assume then that whatever the roadblock is, the bottleneck in terms of booking the second dose will start to be lifted. 
The reassurance is that in Britain, since they decided that they were going, their aim was to get first doses into people as quickly as possible and as many people as possible, as fast as possible, they've been waiting 12 weeks for both Pfizer and Astra. You know, there have been some studies which suggest no problems with the antibody response there. So if, if it's four or five weeks, it's not going to be a disaster. You're going to get a pretty good immune response. And with Astra, it's still going to be 12. Now, the thing with Astra is almost the opposite. Can you move in the Astra to, say, eight weeks? And do you get much of a reduced antibody response? It's kind of going the different way. And nobody really knows the answer to that question. But there's probably not a lot of difference between 12 weeks and eight weeks. In fact, I must say, for me personally, I think I'd rather... I'm thinking, you know, do I want to get the second dose as quickly as possible? I'm thinking, well, maybe I'll, I'm going to go and try it for eight weeks and I'll live with the fact that maybe it's a little bit less effective and I'll, at the end of the year, maybe somebody's kind person will offer me a booster shot. But um, I don't expect anybody to follow my what I do. But, I, you know, I think it is a serious consideration to get the Astra a little bit earlier. But, I mean, the TGA has given guidelines about when these vaccines should be given and they're based on... The studies that have been done They're based showing... on the clinical trials, mm. that's right. But there is, there is some clinical trial evidence about eight weeks. It's just not as strong as 12 weeks. So we've asked, the, we've asked the Victorian Department of Health to see what's going on with people being able to book in for their second doses and we're looking forward to receiving a, a reply back from them. We didn't get one before we recorded. I imagine what's going on is they don't, they're, they're very anxious about booking for second doses when they've got no guaranteed supply. I suspect that's what's going on. Yeah, so we'll bring you an update on that when we get it. And we'll see you tomorrow. See you then. 